One Chopper Podcast. This is a special multi-tap episode where we go ahead and bring some other people on the show to talk about a specific topic they're they are experienced in. And today I wanted to talk a little bit about uh, collecting games kind of on a budget, um, you know, between a lot of people getting involved with, with uh, you know, the retro game scene and people making YouTube videos about it and stuff and like, spreading the knowledge. Uh, a lot of these games have really come in high demand and, and game collecting has gotten a little expensive, but there are ways to kind of collect uh, without spending a ton of money or even if you're not collecting, if you're just trying to look for, for older games. So I went ahead and uh, decided to bring on Keith today to our podcast from the Keith Shizuo channel. Uh, Keith is a, a game reviewer, and he also does uh, musical parodies as well related around games. Um, but the, the main reason I want to bring him on is because uh, he has a, a series called the Game Pickup Series. And, and this is about his, uh, you know, weekly purchases of games and and what he ends up buying and and basically what he plans to do with those games so hey how are you doing today keith yeah i'm doing pretty well how are you doing yourself <laughs> doing good thanks that's good <laughs> so so yeah so you're you're kind of i would say you're like a budget focused um collector it seems like you really pay attention to price as you're as you're purchasing things is that do you feel that's accurate for you or? Oh, definitely. Uh, very thrifty is how I describe it. Um, in fact, like when I'll, often when I'm showing people my collection, uh, one of the biggest brags I've got in it before I really like talk about like the games I've got, it's like, hey, I spent this little on this much. <laughs> so it's like, yeah, the val the price of the games I collect very much uh, factors into uh, what I got. Yeah. So, and you saying that you have like a collection, I would assume that you identify yourself as a game collector then, right? Uh, yes, I would. Um, it's pretty much my primary hobby at the moment. Um, okay. I wouldn't say I'm so much of a player these days, although I have been playing uh, a bit recently, but um, it's just because like various circumstances have meant that I don't have the chance to play uh, games very much, well, as much anymore. And, uh, but like I spend a lot more time, you know, hunting for games than I do end up playing them. So yeah, game collector, yeah, so. which is kind of actually interesting, um, in terms of, you know, you're not playing the games as much. Is it, um, in particularly collecting games versus other things? Is it, is it just the interest in the media in particular, or is there particular reasons why you go for games versus, you know, other places you might collect if you're, if you're not playing those games? Um, well, I don't, there's nothing else that I really collect apart from uh, mm -hmm. video games. I mean, I do, I collect a little bit like of toys and that of like slightly interesting things to me, but not really seriously like I do with the uh, video games. But like the reason why I don't uh, play them so much at all, part of it is actually um, that I've gotten to that point. You know, that old meme that was going around a couple of years ago where it's like, you know, you have a picture of a girl's closet and like it's filled to the brim with clothes and it's just got the quote, <laughs> I have nothing to wear. And then below yeah. that, there's a shelf full of like 360 games. And it's like, I have nothing to play. It's yeah. kind of gotten to like that point where I'm just too sport for choice. I can't choose anything anymore. I actually played a lot more when I had a lot less. <laughs> I, I definitely have like a, a backlog of like 500 plus games at this point. of oh, Things yeah. I've looked at. I, but... I, I passed 500 in my backlog like last year. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, you know, 
and I think both of us experience this, or you know, we we've kind of built up these these large collection of games to the point that, in some ways, I, I imagine you feel the same. There's a good chance that you'll never play any of these some of these games uh, at at some point. Um, so when did you really start? feeling like you're building a collection still really start like budget hunting for for games like what around what time that was that and what kind of led to it well it all actually started um to go back to the very beginning of the story uh it would be uh with the nostalgia critic back in around about uh 2011 2012 ish uh, do you know the the nostalgia critic I recognize the name and I think I can see his face in my mind I've never watched any of his videos <laughs> Yeah, he's a movie reviewer. Uh, his like trademark outfit is a, a black suit jacket with a white t-shirt, red tie, black cap, <laughs> beard, uh, glasses. Yeah, nostalgia. He <laughs> was really big back then. Now he's kind of eh, not, not as revered as he once was for various <laughs> reasons. But uh, yeah, no, it's beyond the scope of this. But anyway, so he had a crossover with uh, a small internet personality. You may have heard of him. I don't know. But he's known as the uh, Angry Video Game Nerd <laughs> yes, or AVGN. Yes. <laughs> Oh, you are um, familiar. Oh, that's good. That makes us easy. Um, <laughs> but yeah, anyway, so yeah, he had his crossover with him, and that was the first time I'd ever really seen uh, the, the AVGN. Yeah, it would have <laughs> been in his crossover video from earlier in his career. And after that, I just like I found the crossover funny, so I started looking at um, the angry video game nerd stuff, and I was like looking at this uh, these these games that he's got, and I'm like, wow, it's re these really cool old games out there. You know, mm -hmm. and they're cheaper than uh, the current games. I want to get me some of that. And, like, to give you an idea of, like, what my gaming knowledge was back when I first started watching the AVGN, mm -hmm. I thought the Sega Genesis was the sequel to the Sega Mega Drive. <laughs> gotcha. Yeah. <laughs> and part of the reason for that is that um, we had an old Mega Drive. It was broken and busted. Uh -huh. I never had it working. But um, And I just don't have it today, but... Uh, I had a Mega Drive, and I assumed the Genesis, because he had a Model 1 in his videos, was a different thing. Mm -hmm. I also thought that the Nintoaster was an actual console. I didn't get that it was supposed to be a toaster. Oh, okay. So, Interesting. So, yeah, that, that, that tells you, like, just, like, how... I knew absolutely nothing about the retro scene back then. Mm -hmm. But I was seeing yeah. him play these games, I was like, yeah, I kind of want to get into that. Um, my family had a PS2. This was about halfway through the PS3's generation. Yeah, uh, yeah, but we had a PS2. Video games were never something particularly big we grew up on. Um, I think we didn't have one until maybe 2006. We didn't have anything like at all. Then we got some DSs. Uh, so yeah, didn't really grow up with video games. But yeah, so um, I started buying up a couple cheap PS2 games that I could find. And then the first uh, big find happened on eBay, where I found a local auction for an Xbox. Uh, original hmm. Xbox, two Duke controllers, started at 99 cents. Oh, wow. And that's the price I wanted at. <laughs> so, yeah, I got this perfectly functional working Xbox for a dollar. And, uh, you know, it was about, you know, an hour's bike ride away. Uh, back in then, I rode the bike a lot, so that was not really mm -hmm. all that much for me. So I rode out. I think I managed to get one or two games with it, but um, they didn't work. So I ended up buying a copy of, yeah, the first game would have been Medal of Honor Rising Sun that I bought for $5 from a, uh, Game Traders because it was the only decent game that was like five bucks that I could test it on. Mm -hmm. uh, and yeah, it's kind of like from that moment on, it was like, it's kind of, I've been bitten by the bug, you know? So I, <laughs> that was really my first deal. And ever since, I've just wanted more deals and I've never been able to pay 
the full amount for the game because I know those deals are out there. I can get because here's the thing: about a year later, I got another Xbox on auction for a dollar. <laughs> so like, I know this is repeatable. It wasn't a fluke. <laughs> yeah, that's that's actually I find that really interesting because um, but it sounds like you had kind of a aha moment and and started. That was in terms of um, like the price of games and buying stuff cheaply yeah, and knowing yeah. that like, yeah, I was going to be thrifty. I wasn't going to spend top dollar. In terms of the gradual build of my collection, um, uh, I might I might, I might, might actually send you some uh, pictures uh, so you can put them in the show notes or the video version of this podcast mm-hmm. if there is one. But um, I, if you look in the background of my uh, uh, YouTube videos, you can see my collection grow over the years. <laughs> and you can see back when I posted my first video in, I think, uh, 2014, the well, first mm-hmm. gaming video, uh, that video had been filmed 12 months prior. And uh, you can see that my entire PS2 and Xbox collection uh, amounted to about 15 games that I had between two bookends oh, wow. on top of yeah. my TV. And uh, that's the second phase of my collection. And then uh, a couple of years later, it had grown to fill up nearly two whole um, 40 DVD uh, shelf stacks <laughs> plus some uh ps uh plus some ps1 games back then ps1 was actually my biggest collection which is kind of yeah, crazy yeah. to think about like considering how uncommon it is to find uh hmm. in comparison and yeah. uh you know then you jump ahead to, like two years to 2016 and it's just an entire fucking wall <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's crazy. It, it gets crazy that far. I'll, I'll give you the images so people get so you can yeah yeah sure i'll i'll include those in uh, a little background on on kind of how i i built my collection is is definitely a lot more long term um something i kind of over time kind of figured out is when i was growing up i never viewed a console as dead per se so so i started with a game boy nintendo 64 um and then and then from there kind of got a playstation and i for the most part i got pretty much every console at some point you know even though it'd be like hey i got the original xbox you know after the xbox 360 came out and things like that but i kind of never stopped playing or buying for old systems you know i i I got my first console was like five or something so it's like 1995 and and so I kept buying like Nintendo 64 games like well into like the 2000s and things like that. And it was kind of interesting and I, and I think kind of different from what a lot of the people got it kind of got in from is like mine was like a consistent build up over over my entire life, basically, where I feel like a lot of other people like in your case, it sounds like um, there's there's like a lot of outside influence in terms of like, you know, YouTubers and stuff that kind of brought brought that, you know, buying old games games mm. in but to me it's like it was it was almost kind of weird seeing the retro scene at some point because to me those games never went away really um well, they just are always there but i but i didn't have an nes or super nintendo so like when people started making you know youtube videos and they're like you know, people probably our age at this point back then um you know making youtube videos about their favorite games when they were kids uh was definitely like nes and super nintendo focused that's very interesting because it's kind of like um we've kind of started from very opposite points but with the same result when you think about it (laughs) you you never saw a system as dead because you had them already and you just like never got rid of them whereas with me i never had anything and just got the old stuff because it was dead but because of that i've never bought current gen stuff like i've actually with the exception of the wii u which i got uh my parents to buy me for christmas uh, because mm-hmm. I wanted Splatoon, and I don't regret that. So I'm one of the few people who don't, <laughs> don't regret buying the Wii U. But uh, 
I, I, I like my Wii U too. So <laughs> the, the way I justify it when I talk to my friends, they're like, oh, why didn't you like have uh, new games? Why didn't you buy a PS4? You know, it's not that much. It's like, well, because like in Australia, I can buy a new game for $100 or <laughs> for that same amount of money. I can go out and I can buy 30 PS2 games. And like those games, they're going to be just as fun as like one single random PS4 game. I mean, they're still good games, you know. I go dollar game shopping a lot of time, uh, oh, <laughs> just yeah. like trying to find a super cheap game. And unfortunately, I like having cases, so that makes it a little more difficult. But um, if you can get like disc only versions of, or not versions, but you know, disc only games, that that definitely is like a huge savings on yeah. on that. It's actually um, we, we can probably touch on this a bit later. But it's actually uh, rather difficult to get uh, disc only stuff in australia is because like most most places like if it doesn't have a case it gets chucked oh really the the, yeah. the game itself just gets tossed yeah I'm, I'm, up until very very recently um the only like uh the only retailer that really accepted uh disc only games of anything that was like older than 360 mm-hmm. uh like yeah they just did not uh offer any disc stuff they just didn't take it no wow. way took it and uh, yeah, only recently did they do it, but even then, the prices aren't the best, so whatever. But yeah, in in the U.S., it's actually the opposite. Um, cases usually get thrown away, um, so people will trade their games in, and you know, GameStop doesn't want to keep those cases on hand because that takes up space and inventory. Oh, I've heard I've heard about terrible stuff like that, like um, yeah, them opening like sealed uh, games, throwing away the case of manual, and then selling them as um uh used because the uh because that's a higher profit margin for them by some you would see some like youtube channels people going dumpster diving behind game stops and like getting tons and tons of cases of games oh yeah i've seen i've seen a couple of those a couple years ago yeah yeah so so yeah it's interesting that they actually kept cases down in australia or like literally would not sell it without a case (laughs) kind of i mean it's not that they won't sell it without a case it's just they won't buy it in the first place so you can find discounted stuff on eBay, but even then, like yeah, you got yeah. the sh- when you get past the shipping and all that, you're not saving any money. There's no point. Uh, but yeah. like, yeah, just nowhere bought in like discs. So like offloading discs can be like really hard sometimes. You know, one quick thing to note here is that like prices are changing all the time, and 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 they greatly vary per per platform. But the the general trend seems to be that a lot of these games are are going up in value. And this is especially true for any system that's like basically a pre-7th generation console, like like anything before the 360, PS3, and the Wii. So if you're looking for things like Nintendo 64 games, GameCube games, Dreamcast games, uh, it, it can be difficult to find a good deal. I think we've gotten to the point where we're not trading between like people who used to own these uh, games, like you know mm-hmm. the, the first owners and collectors. We're now looking at a market where it's collectors buying off collectors. That sounds you know? right, yeah. Uh, and anybody who did have these from the old days, you know, is aware that there's some value in them and they take them to, you know, a pawn shop rather than trying to, like, you know, uh, donate them. So um, one thing I do want to kind of talk about uh, at this point is kind of where we look, t- where, where we're buying games today. Um, um, you know, me and you. Uh, and and one of the probably one of the most common complaints I hear from a lot of my, my friends and, and people I talk to about game collecting in general is just how expensive things have gotten. Um, I I really had started noticing things getting pretty expensive in like 2008 and 2010-ish probably. Um, That was a little bit before my collecting time. Uh, Yeah, I I would have still been in primary school then. Just when I was getting my first ever game console. 
Okay, yeah, I was 2008. I was 18 years old, just graduated high school. Um, had no money <laughs> as well, which is kind of <laughs> part of why I ended up buying you know five dollar GameCube games all the time. Um, but yeah, so today PlayStation Two seems like a good place to still be, based off uh, you know what you've been saying. I've definitely seen cheaper PS2 games here. I feel like I don't find ridiculously cheap PS2 games anymore here in the US. Like usually it's at least five to ten dollars for a game US dollars. Mm. So where I'm usually looking right now uh, is the Wii, Xbox 360, PS3, DS, platforms like that. DS, maybe not so much, um, because those are kind of like the the last-gen systems. They're also about to be the last-gen, last-gen systems, I guess, (laughs) like two generations ago. Um, and that's really been my focus. Um, I've been, you know, I recently got like Batman, the brave and the bold for like $3, I think, uh, for the Wii, which is like a Ooh. way for it or beat em up, um, which is, is pretty cool. Um, and, and one thing that I, I kind of noticed when watching your, your pickup videos is I think we, we aim for a lot of similar types of games. Um, I think a big part of buying games on the cheap is having an open mind about games. Um, yeah. one of the games that you, you showed off that uh, really caught my eye was, a uh, Brave, like, uh, based off the movie Brave. Uh, when it comes to collecting, you shouldn't really limit yourself to those, you know, marquee top shelf titles. Yeah. Because there's a lot of good stuff in, you know, the bottom of the bin, kind of, uh, more mediocre, mm-hmm. um, you know, titles like movie license stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and Brave is a brilliant example of that because that's a game that nobody would really think about. Now, when when we're talking about Brave, we're talking about the Disney movie Brave, the one with the, the Scottish girl, bears, that sort of thing. If you mm-hmm. haven't seen it, then uh, yeah, it, it, it's in the same series as like Tangled and Frozen and all those. But um, you, you pick up a game like that and you think, oh, it's going to be some like, you know, basic platformer yeah. or some of that or like, you know, weird mini game thing. No, it's a twin stick shooter. Mm-hmm. Um, it's one way, you know, you run with the D-pad and no, no. So you run with the nunchuck, you shoot with the, uh, the D-pad in the direction you want to go smash TV style. There's a whole power up system and RPGs level select all that. It's a really full feature game. And I got that game for three bucks. Yeah. You know? Uh, so you really, you shouldn't be looking at like, you know, not every single game is fire emblem or mm. uh, Pokemon or, uh, you know, uh, stubs the zombie you know like there's a lot of good stuff to be found uh, in the whole library of these systems and i think one thing to keep in mind when you're buying these is because they're so cheap these days it's really like when you see a game like brave it's really easy to take a risk on that like it may be complete garbage um, when you buy it oh yeah well, but... well i've um i've got a little system that i developed in um uh university and i call it my fuck it point <laughs> Okay. Yeah. Uh, so ba- basically, what that means is like I realized when I was at uni that like, hey, you know, after class, you know, I'm going down to the, uh, you know, the the convenience store on campus or whatever it is in there. You know, I'm bu- I'm spending three dollars sixty on Coke. Uh, okay. That's Coca Cola. Yeah. Any yeah. of you start to be funny. Um, <laughs> uh, but um, yeah, so I, I buy that and I spend three dollars sixty. I'm like, you know, I'm just gonna drink this in like. 10 minutes and it's mm. going to be gone and like you know i spent three dollars sixty on that so and like yeah i won't spend you know three dollars on a video game so i just thought okay um any game that's like two dollars or under fuck it i'll grab it yeah you know it's my fuck it point recently like because i'm a bit better for money that ha- mm. that uh amount has risen to three dollars because that's the most common price you see mm. a lot of ps2 games at 
and like other similar systems. But yeah, so literally, I just I look at it as like if it's anywhere resembling the possibility of some sort of entertainment value, uh, I just go, yeah, screw it. Because um, there's, there's a second system that I use when I'm collecting my games. And um, that is, I don't, I, or I very rarely spend um, more on a game than I could make back by reselling it. Mm. So, you know, when I'm out there, I'm, um, I'm on, you know, I'm looking at games and all that, you know, I'm checking eBay, I'm checking the CEX uh, trading websites, which we'll talk about more in a minute. But yeah, I'm checking the value of these games. And uh, yeah, so I generally try and make sure I can make at least about 30 to 40% more back if I don't like the game. Um, so that way, um, there's a lot less risk in the money I am spending. Mm. Of course, $2 doesn't matter. Screw it. Yeah. Like if I lose $2, I lose $2. That doesn't matter to me. Like, you know, I, I, you know, I pissed that away on Coke. It doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah. I um, so, yeah. kind of used it actually for a while to uh, kind of dissuade me from getting fast food as much. Um, so I'd be like, every time I'd go to buy fast food, I'd basically in my mind, give me myself $5. Like if you don't go do this, I'll let you just go buy a video game for $5 because that's how much it's going to cost to get fast food. Um, now, you see, I would, I would use that. The problem is, I know I'm just going to buy the game anyway. <laughs> if it's that cheap. Like, oh, I, I had a real, like, just like deviating a bit. Um, I had a real kind of sticker shock moment the other week <laughs> when I was looking at my bank statement on my phone that the app is like, oh, check what you spent this month. Yeah. It's like, oh, check that. And I'm like, how in the hell in one month did I spend $300 on fast food? <laughs> Jesus. I'm like, yeah. oh dear, I need to <laughs> really take a look at some life decisions I've made. I'm like, that's a whole dream cast right there that yeah. I've spent on Maccas. It's easy, like when you're doing <laughs> yeah. little bits like that, but that, that's also like what's kind of appealing about, you know, cutting it out um, and, and you know, trying to offer that trade off. Yeah, and, and one other thing I kind of want to also present when, when you know, trying to, you know, looking at games and, 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 and buying them, I, I think, and I don't know how you, you feel about, like, your, your gaming opinions, Keith, but um, one of the things that kind of fo- follows me around, and I've been trying to get away from this over the years, is um, people say I have bad opinions, which I get it, <laughs> um, um, but what I, I really have kind of figured out, I think, over the last five years is that I typically just have um i value different things in games so so a lot of times i don't value things like polish as much so so like if you get like a a 3d you know triple a game that that is it doesn't really have any new ideas in it but it's just you know a really good third person shooter something like that i typically de-emphasize those games more when i when i look at them and and focus on things that have like quality ideas or or aim for things that um that that typically aren't the typical implementation you see and things like that. Um, that That is exactly what I was talking about before when I was talking about, you know, uh, the mediocrity and like the, you know, mid-level stuff, mm-hmm. um, especially with the PS2 and, you know, somewhat with the Xbox as well. That's where like a lot of the most interesting stuff is uh, in the not necessarily too polished area, but like, you know, like that, that, that really is some of the more interesting and cheap stuff to collect. Yeah. And sometimes you'll be surprised by what is actually cheap. Like uh, I got Metal Saga recently for the PS2, which is like a part of the Metal Max series. 
and it was like a JRPG published by Atlas on the PS2, and I was like, oh god, this is going to be expensive, and come to find out it was like $15 new. Oh, yeah. I think a lot of the Atlas stuff has started to crash recently because people realize the name. Uh, it doesn't quite mean as much as they used mm. to think it did. It used to be like, you know, every time an Atlas game would come out, you know, people would buy two copies. Yeah, yeah. You know, one to keep and one to sell later. But now it's like, yeah, I can find like uh, half the Atlas stuff for like, you know, 10 bucks. Yeah. <laughs> like I, I can see it on the shelf and I'll leave it there because I know I can't resell it. <laughs> now, something you said earlier, it's like when you said a, a lot of your friends are complaining about the pricing mm-hmm. of uh, game collecting. Now, there are exceptions to this, obviously. But at the end of the day, the best advice that I can give when it comes to you know, collecting games, if you don't want to spend money, is that uh, video game collecting is as expensive as you want it to be. And what I mean by that is that, like, if you have enough patience, you can get just about anything you want at any price that you want. Because it used to be that it was extremely rare, extremely rare, that I would spend more than $5 on a game. In fact, only maybe um, last year did I start regularly going over to the 6 and up to the $10 mark. And even though then those have to be like relatively like high dollar games, like mm-hmm. I'd, I'd spend $10 on like a $30 game. Like that's the disparity I need. I wouldn't spend 10 on a $20 game. It needs to be a lot in there. Yeah. But, you know, after about five years of collecting, I had a good two or 300 titles probably even more than that if you take to get into consideration all those with some high dollar stuff in there but and i'd sold off quite a bit and i think actually to about 2017 um my collection was actually in profit because of uh, the reselling i'd done because um this hobby for me as i said it's especially now less about playing but it's about the thrill of the hunt mm-hmm. And if you're willing to, uh, you know, go out to the flea markets, uh, you know, go every other day to the op shops around your house just while you're doing other things, uh, you know, check the right places online and like build up a rapport with sellers and that sort of thing. At the end of the day, you can get just about what any whatever you want um, for whatever price you want if you're just willing to wait. Uh, the, the two examples that I use often, the two anecdotes is um you know like one time i was looking through uh, uh game traders just like through the normal xbox games and i saw ooh outrun 2006 on xbox oh i know that's a pretty mm-hmm. valuable game that's like in the trilogy of like you know the three valuable games you know operation genesis stubs the zombie and uh, uh what's uh, outrun mm-hmm. and i'd pick it up and i'm like does that sticker really say nine dollars <laughs> Is this, is this a complete copy for $9? And it's like, it's like, yeah, I mean, I'd seen that game plenty of times. I could have dropped 50 bucks on that years ago. But if you wait, eventually, like, the stuff will come to you. Now, um, it becomes a little bit more difficult when you get to stuff like cartridge collecting, where the market uh, isn't, like, as, like, you're just going to have to raise your cash bar. Yeah, yeah. When, if, if you want to collect in that. But it's it's a different market. Uh, but if you want to collect, especially PS2, PS1, Xbox, Wii, and coming in now 360, PS3, game collecting is ultimately as uh, cheap as your patience can hold out. And if you're willing to just build up slow, 
And yeah, like you can get pretty much everything you want. So one thing I don't have a lot of experience with is is kind of buying and selling games. Um, I, I pretty much buy games to keep them. Sometimes I'll, I'll see a, a good deal on a game that I, I know is technically worth more, but then I'm like, will I play this game is the question. And if the answer is no, even though it looks like a deal, I'll pretty much pass on it. Um, but on your, your side of things, you actually, um, you know, buy to, to, to sell a lot of times. And, um, and kind of one thing that I, that I think, you know, you, you just had mentioned earlier, like, Hey, cartridge collecting, you have to kind of raise your bar. Uh, but with like PS2 collecting, you don't have to, um, you can kind of with, with the, the kind of model you, you, you've shown in some of your videos, uh, build upon, uh, a PS2, uh, collection to eventually get to, uh, a cartridge game. So, so one of the videos I saw from you initially that I, that I really liked was you had a, a video where like, I'm going to get a copy of Shadow of the Colossus for, I forget how much was it. Was it 20 Australian dollars is how much? That game, uh, Shadow of the Colossus typically retails in Australia for about, uh, 50 60 bucks 50 60 okay and i wanted to try and get it for one dollar mm-hmm. now you're gonna have to be a pretty damn good haggler to get that um <laughs> in uh any normal circumstances i realized you know after these years of collecting that like you know what if i just started with a low value like i i, I know enough about the games around me mm-hmm. that i can make enough money that i reckon i could start with one dollar and build up to something really expensive. And I asked on my YouTube channel in the comments, you know, hey, this is an idea. I'm thinking of doing it. You know, what do you reckon I should trade up to? Some people uh, thought I should go up for a console. And that's what I was thinking at one point. I was thinking of actually going for a pink uh, PS2 console. Oh, okay. Yeah. I have one. <laughs> uh, I, oh, oh, it's a very nice looking one, isn't yeah. it? Like, yeah, just something about that. Because I think they use like proper automotive paint on them or something. So like they just don't tarnish. Yeah, I think there's like a whole line of consoles in Japan specifically. I don't know about all, like what they released here, but. I think the pink one used the same uh, thing there. And they just, they're all in like pristine condition. I mm-hmm. don't know how. And I'm glad I didn't go for a pink console because I managed to find one cheaper. Oh, nice. Uh, about 50 bucks as opposed to the regular uh, 100 to 150 bucks. <laughs> Uh, a couple months down the road so that just goes to what i said before about patience yeah yeah uh, you know uh, things will come to you if you're willing to look uh but like i decided so like at the end of the i said okay so a game that i've never seen low is shadow of the colossus because that in pal territories it came out in a paper case it automatically looks a lot more premium mm-hmm. and if you want it in decent condition with the slip cover with the manual all that it's not as easy to find, so you probably got to go for eBay if you want to get a nice one so you can see the condition. Mm-hmm. So I thought, okay, I'll go for that, and I'll start with a dollar. And basically what I did is um, I bought and sell, sold a bunch of games, and um, and I showed that on my YouTube channel in my like uh, Buy Any Game for a Dollar series. And within, I think, a month and a half, I was expecting it to go for two to three months, but within a month and a half... I had myself a pretty dang crispy copy of Shadow of the Colossus uh, and $13 cash left over. Yeah, I think it's worth mentioning that like there's a couple times you limited yourself because you're like, I got way too good of a deal. <laughs> like, I'm <laughs> yeah, not that, going that to actually, count this. <laughs> that was that was actually an issue because like uh, once in the tr- in the trading, like I found um, the Mass Effect trilogy for PS3 for three bucks i think it was uh, salvos literally i got there just as they were putting it on the shelf and um like 
the old lady was asking the other old lady who was the manager, oh, how much do we put on the games? And I'm like, uh, well, however much you put on it, I think I'll take that. I didn't really know how much it was worth, but I knew that it would probably be worth something. And they're like, oh, well, $3 is what we normally do, so I'll give you $3. And I was like, okay. And then I looked online, and I'm like, whoa, okay, I could sell this game for 60 bucks if I wanted to. <laughs> and I did. Uh, so like, I was like, you know what? Like... Like that one trade there, that could have been my Shadow of the Colossus if I wanted it to be. So I decided, okay, yeah. you know, I'm not going to count that. But there's another <laughs> game that I happened to buy off screen earlier in the day uh, that would be a more decent trade. So I'll do that. And like, yeah, I got it. So like, it just goes to show, yeah, if you're patient and especially if you know how to re- how to resell, if you know what to look for. Yeah. And if you're interested in this hobby and in games, you will accrue that knowledge. So is it looking for like um big IP and 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 things series that people know like or not necessarily. I mean, you try making a bunch of money off like Halo or Ratchet and Clank, you're not gonna be mm. able to do it because those games, they're big, they're well loved, but they're common. Mm. And uh it, it's collecting PS2 isn't like collecting NES, where like um say with NES, you've got Contra. It's, it's a marquee NES title. Everybody wants that. It sells high. Yeah. But it's also common as all hell. Like, they made a lot of Contras. They sold a lot of Contras. Yeah. Uh, With PS2, um, the common as hell stuff, even if it's a big IP, even if it's a well-loved game like, say, Ratchet & Clank or uh, Sly Cooper 1, that one's probably a little bit more valuable, or Jack & Daxter. Mm -hmm. uh, These ones sold a lot that, um, even though everybody's got a copy... uh, they're very low value. So it's not yeah. always about for the big IP. It's actually more often not looking at uh, this very specific little middle ground. Uh, it's the kind of stuff, especially in the PAL market, we had this publisher um, called 505 Games. I don't know. Yes, I know. I know of them. <laughs> they're in America as well. They're very easy to recognize because a lot of Japanese games that only got localized in PAL territories. Um, yeah were localized by 505 games and then either they came out through a different publisher here or they just didn't come out at all yeah now those are the kind of games um where like they're very weird because they, they had low production runs not a lot of people had them mm-hmm. but they're often they're, they're kind of kooky they're kind of you know uh, it, they're the interesting stuff a lot of them are actually um based off or, or a lot of them come from the simple series if you're aware of that from yes Japan. yes yes yeah. i'm aware of the simple series but at the same time, um, they generally had someone who was like, you know, graphic design is my passion, who was like designing the um, covers. Yeah. And, um, like, yeah, so they don't look particularly interesting, but like, yeah, they are. And like, being able to recognize just the right amount of cheapness in a cover to where the game inside is probably interesting and therefore uh, rare is, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, it's good. Also stuff like um, arcade ports. You know, stuff like Tengai, that's always really good. That That's actually probably my biggest value game find that I've ever had. It was at a school fate. Um, they had a stack of PS2 uh, uh, games there. They wanted a dollar a piece. They were 15. Mm-hmm. I said, I'll give you 10 bucks for the stack. They said, okay. And I grabbed those. Uh, and then I was looking through the pile. I was like, yeah, okay, I can sell that for 10 bucks. I can sell that for 2 bucks. I'll keep that. Ooh, what's this game? Tengai. Never heard of this. Oh, it's a shooter. Let me just quickly go on eBay. What? <laughs> 90 bucks? <laughs> yeah, so From I PS2, think it's now... PS2, yeah. And that game that game trades for like um, 110 these days. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I got it for 75 cents. 
Uh, but like now, that's an example of me not knowing what I'm looking for. <laughs> I, I've yeah. definitely seen like, especially on the Wii, there was a lot of stuff that like got localized and just got a weird generic box art. Um, mm-hmm. Like uh, Monkey King or whatever has like a really awful looking box art, but it's actually a yeah. decent shooter. So yeah. Now, of course, there are also the bigger IPs, as you're saying. Some of them are worth a lot, but it's mainly the stuff like Ico, Shadow of the Colossus, mm. the big, the bigger rpgs but not stuff like final fantasy final fantasy on ps2 uh over here that is bargain basement you know scraps uh same thing almost with kingdom hearts it's got a little bit more of a tiny bit more value to it uh but it's the the unknown rpgs like uh artinelico and magna carta Mm -hmm. and that sort of thing those are both games that i've found for just a couple of bucks go for big money um Namco compilations, Capcom compilations, that sort of thing. And these are often, you know, at some stores, even some like stores that tend to be pretty savvy, they'll bundle those in with just the cheap stuff. And um, yeah, if, if you just got the right eye for it, you can pick it out, you know. How long do you think it took you to kind of develop the eye for for that kind of thing? Was it a multi-year process? Was it something that you already, I mean, you, you came into this not really having... It sounds like a great knowledge of video games. So how long? Did oh yeah, I think in the, the Genesis was the sequel to the Mega Drive. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. Back then, I seriously I wouldn't have been able to tell you an N sixty four from the Super Nintendo. I really wouldn't have if it wasn't written on there. Um, but um, it's still developing, frankly. Like like any skill. Like they say, it takes mm-hmm. uh, thirty years of hard work to become a master at anything. Yeah. But uh, yeah, um, I mean, I'm always learning something new. The market is changing always in subtle, different ways. Mm-hmm. There are always new opportunities to buy and sell around. So you got to learn it. And um, I think I really started getting it maybe uh, about four years ago. It really started clicking three, four or five years ago. That's when I really started to be able to pick up on what was worth my time and what wasn't. Um, before then... Um, it was a slow process of just, you know, checking up absolutely everything I found. Yeah. Seeing what it was, you know, and working on building a collection that way. And back in those days, I didn't have as many shops available to me as I did now. Back in the day, like I had a couple op shops and I actually have really bad social anxiety. Uh, mm. So for the first couple of years of my collecting, I couldn't even walk into op shops because I was just that bad with new places. Yeah. So, but once I managed to get in there, um, yeah, I was able to uh, find all the op shops, work out which ones were the best for gaming, and there were only about five in total, and only two of those were particularly good. Hmm. Uh, but yeah, these days uh, there's at least four around here which often have something. CEX is a relatively recent thing uh, in Australia that's hmm. been really helpful, and uh, we'll probably talk about that in a sec. But yeah, uh, it's the market around you is always changing and not, not just the online buying and selling market, but just like, you know, op shops, thrift stores, that sort of thing. It's yeah. always changing. They're always changing managers who always change how they price stuff, how, what they buy in, what they throw away. Yeah. And you, you just got to stay on top of that and let your, you know, knowledge build with it. So so you mentioned a few places where, you, where you're, um, you know, doing a lot of these transactions. Is there any places that you prefer to like, buy or sell depending on location like um like other stores that are better for selling versus ones that are better for buying games and things like that or is it pretty much just you check each you know marketplace and see what works best for each game well it used to be back in the day selling was ebay 
Uh, trade in credit, um, you know, as I said, you barely got anything at like mm. Game Traders is the dominant chain retro store in mm. Australia. Um, and unfortunately, they're a decentralized franchise. And what that means is, well, that's probably a nonsense term, but it's one that makes sense to me in that um, every franchise, oper- while they have the same name, they have the same decor, the same uniforms, mm-hmm. they operate completely independently. There's no oh, cross ordering between stores. There's no collated price chart. They all decide on their own prices. There's no delivery until very, very recently. Some of them open independent delivery. But uh, basically, it's one of those franchises where you just pay for the name. That's all it is. And this is good for some things when it comes to... Because some places, obviously, they'll give you more for credit. But in general, they just don't give you anything because they're the only name out there. You know, If you're going to trade to someone, you're going to trade to them. Until very recently, but we'll get to that. Um, and one of the one of the positive things about having decentralization is that every so often, as I said, with that um, you know uh, uh, outrun two thousand six, mm-hmm. you know someone's asleep at the wheel when they're buying the games in. They mm-hmm. don't know what they're looking for. They get it really cheap, and you yoink that back up. <laughs> so um, so there there are positives and negatives. Negatives is that like you know because they're the only ones they tend to if they price something high it ain't going to come back down. Yeah. Um, yeah. Now other places are like now op shops, of course, you'd call it thrift store. Uh, we don't have a Goodwill per se, like you Americans do. Uh, a mm-hmm. Goodwill, as I believe, that's like an American one where like they pay the employees and they're in, and they're an actual business. They just take donations and they yes. sell them. Over here, uh, it's all run by nonprofits op mm, shops. Gotcha. You don't have any for profit opportunity shops. Uh, that would be weird over here. I, I even I find the idea of a Goodwill a bit weird. Uh, but yeah, it's the it's, American but, way. Don't worry about it. Yeah, yeah. It's like, yeah, give us free shit and we'll make money off it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, but now over over here, it's all run by the Salvation Army, uh, St. Vincent de Paul Society, or Vinnie's, uh, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Anglicare. All these mostly religious organizations, not always. Okay. In these places, some of them, you know, they always price their games at around two bucks back in the day. Those are the ones you mm-hmm. want to hit. The ones that actually take the stuff in. And they put it, and they don't look for scratches. If they look for scratches, you're not going to find that much on the shelf, because gotcha. at the end of the day, what an old lady looks at a game and says, "Oh, that's a scratch. That's going to play fine in a PS2." Like most of the time, yeah. or it just needs a little buffing. If they're looking for scratches, they're going to throw away stuff that works perfectly fine. It's happened before. I've gone dumpster diving outside of those places where I shouldn't have, and I found perfectly working console. I found a working PS2. I threw it mm-hmm. in the dumpster. So, uh, yeah, that's an unfortunate reality that we're going to have to live with. But, um, yeah, so there are places, other ones, they price everything at five bucks, nothing below. That's too much for just random games. Now, there's heaps yeah. of stuff you can find, which would be a deal at five bucks. But for the random, like, game, like, five is too much. So, oh, sure. uh, and of course, as I said, it fluctuates and, like, it changes all the time. Now, the two main retail places that I go to buy and sell these games, which are relatively recent developments, are Cash Converters, which is another decentralized mm. franchise, and CEX, which is a centralized franchise. Now, we'll talk about Cash Converters first. Now, that operates just like a pawn shop. Uh, you know, you can loan on possessions. You can mm. sell them to the store. You can buy from the store. I generally use that with um, bulk um cheap stuff because i know that they will give me one dollar or for some systems two dollars per disc 
Gotcha. And if I've got something a little bit more expensive, they'll give me a little bit more, but they're not going to give me less. Uh, so like if I got, that's actually, that formed a very important link in the chain with my $1 uh, Shadow of the Colossus. The first trade I did was I spent my dollar on two 50 cent PS3 games from CEX. Mm-hmm. So they were just like cheapo bargain basement, you know, dare eye toy games or something like that. Yeah. I bought those. I traded them in to um, cash converters, $2 a piece. Turned $1 into $4, just like that. So um, yeah, so I used those as my reliable get rid of the bulk that I can't sell elsewhere. Mm-hmm. And of course, I also love buying from them because um, they're decentralized. They often price their stock down really low. Sometimes they'll price something that isn't really worth much way high and it's not going to come down, whatever. But a lot of those times, like I've caught them slipping a lot of times. Now, CEX is a store that's exclusive to the UK in Australia. Mm-hmm. It really started popping up about five years ago um, and it has really shaken up the market. Uh, in this area because what happens is as i said it's centralized they have a central game and movie database because they only trade in used media and hardware so movies games uh computer bits and pieces um and they have a list of all the values of all this and it's updated every other month or so but every time you take a game to the store they will give you that amount that's on their list for that game and you will buy it for that price and you can order stuff online as well. So from any other location in Australia, um, I can order X game, which is on their website and, you know, three bucks extra for shipping and it comes here. Now there's, there's good and bad in that. Now the good is that um, it means that like, you know, if they say have one game, I used to trade in a lot, uh, crash team racing on PS2, mm. they used to accept that game for $18 worth of trading credit. Uh, so if I found one for five bucks out in the wild, I'm up 13 bucks yeah, and I've, yeah. like, I buy a lot of video games. So that credit might as well be cash because I can spend that on games. Mm-hmm. Um, and another benefit of that is if there's a game that they don't get in very often, you know, they're not looking at the sales data. So like, of course, now if a game is selling more often then you want to raise the price, mm-hmm. but if a game just isn't getting traded in, which most of the time means it's rare. Uh, not always expensive, but rare. Say something like, uh, well, what I just bought um, last night, I bought a copy of the Namco 50th Anniversary Arcade. That's a game okay. that's on eBay for about 25 retails for about $50. Um, I paid $5 for that, and it's the first time I've ever seen that game oh, listed wow. in <laughs> uh, four years on their website. So they never updated the price. And if you can snap it up quick enough, you know, you can get some stuff really cheap, but again, mm-hmm. it's all about perseverance. Now, the system I actually have with uh, CEX, and I'm actually giving away a fairly uh, big secret here. So anybody uh, in the UK or Australia, um, you're going to be sniping deals from me, especially in Australia. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I did talk about this a bit in uh, the $1 game challenge. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, by the way, the $1 game challenge, um, I'm thinking about doing that again. I started doing like a season two, but I kind of petered out. I don't know if I get more interest on it, then um, I might start it up again. I personally liked it a lot, but I like your pickup videos a lot too. So, <laughs> uh, so what I did is I went through it. T- it took it's taken me quite a while, and I'm still adding things to it to this day. But I went through the entire catalog that they've got on the CEX website, and they have a feature where you can put something on a wish list. 
where mm. it creates a separate sort of saved list and it'll show you whether or not that game's in stock or not. Now you can't search through this list, but what you can, but what it does do is it appears in there. So I went through the entire PS2 library, the entire Xbox library, GameCube. Um, in the UK, they also have PS1 and GBA. They don't do that on, over here, unfortunately. But uh, yeah, I went through the entire list and I added anything that could possibly be interesting to me that I might want to buy to this list, peripherals, games, anything. Uh, if it was at a price that was even vaguely like in a range where I'd want to buy that game, maybe if it came down a bit in future month, I added it to that list. And what I do is every single night I've done this without fail uh, because it's just so profitable and such a brilliant way to find games. I wait till about six o'clock. That's when all the shops shut. So I know that nothing else is going to be added today to that list. Um, I'll go onto that list. I'll hit page end on my keyboard. It'll scroll down. I'll hit load more and I'll keep going until I've loaded the entire list on the screen. And then I'll hit control F and I'll type in the words to buy because the words to buy only appear um, um, in a listing uh, if it's in stock oh, okay. and available to buy online. And then I'll just hit enter and I'll check through the entire list. And there's some stuff that's been on there for quite a while that I'm not paying that price for, but I'm waiting to see yeah. if it goes down. And yeah, I'll just, every night I'll cycle through that and I'll check a look at the number of how many instances of two buy. And if that number's gone up, then I know that there's something new there that mm -hmm. I have previously said to myself, I'd be interested in that. And I just look through that and I'll go, ooh, Namco, 50th anniversary arcade, add that to cart. Uh, ooh, uh, wireless Mad Cats, PS2 controller, add that to cart. Uh, what's some other good finds I've had there? Uh, Robotech, Battle Cry, um, okay. PS2. $2, that's a $25 game. Add that to cart. I'll sell that and list it on eBay as soon as it gets here. And I'll hit buy and I'll do that every single night. And I have gotten so much good stuff from that. I'm sure if you watch my pickup videos, you'll hear me say, oh, bought this from CEX. Most yeah. of the time it's from doing that. When uh, you said a bit earlier that you, you sell on eBay after that, are you mainly selling on eBay or do you also buy stuff from eBay as well? I very rarely buy stuff from eBay. Um, okay. I used to buy back in the day, I bought, I bought quite a few, uh, import PS one and GameCube disc only stuff mm -hmm. because there was a seller who used to start all their bids at 99 cents and would bundle packaging. So as long as I bought enough, if I bought them at that 99 cent point, then I'd be able to get a whole bunch over. Yeah. I don't buy on eBay so much because, um, basically eBay is what I use as my baseline for price. Mm -hmm. Uh, especially when I'm buying stuff out in the wild, you know, I'll look on eBay. I'm like, okay, this is this game's worth uh, 20 bucks. Price on it here is seven. Uh, that's just about enough uh, for me to want to buy it. And I'll take a risk on it. If I like it, I keep it. If I don't like it, I sell it. Um, but the thing is like, if I happen to come across a really good deal on eBay mm -hmm. um, and like no one's bidding on it and I've got a chance, I'll go for it. But at the end of the day, like most of those listings is what I consider the baseline in my head and mm. I don't pay the baseline. Yeah. So like, cause I wait and I use my patience, as I said before, and I find this stuff way cheaper, a little bit down the line. And I've got mm. enough of a backlog that it doesn't bother me that I don't have Stubbs the zombie. I don't need that right now. Yeah. I can wait until I find it for five bucks at a garage sale or something. Now there's one other online marketplace, which I have bought from recently, but I don't like because it's very volatile and that okay. is uh the facebook marketplace 
Oh, gotcha. Which okay. is a relatively recent. I don't know. Do you have that in America? Yeah, we do. I've never used it, but I do know some friends who use it. There are deals to be had there. Make no mistake. There are people who don't know what they have, and if you're the first person to message them and they're close enough, you've got it. I recently got a 29-inch Trinitron for 25 bucks. Oh, nice. So, yeah, that's that's now my main light gun TV. Um, I've gotten PSP for 60 bucks, but that wasn't a particularly good deal. And that's part of the reason why I don't like it. It's because I was originally supposed to buy a PSP 3000 from that guy in box, Lilac. Mm-hmm. Uh, for 60 bucks no for 100 bucks plus another console plus a bunch of games i met him in the parking lot a couple days later uh when we agreed he said no already sold that one oh so it's like these people aren't as accountable as a store they don't have policies that they have to follow and so it's a lot more of a wild west so if you want to try and face that so when i said like you know it's as expensive as you want it to be Mm mm-hmm book is where i don't want it to be that is not a market where i'm really willing to wade through yeah. now if you are willing to wade through it you will eventually find some really good deals yeah now, most of the time what you're going to find is listing where it's like a whole stack of games it's going to say five dollars on it you're going to think oh five dollars for this stack of ps2 games that's awesome you're going to click it and it's going to be one fee and it's going to be a list of prices one fee for game there is going to be five dollars and the rest are going to be 30 yeah yeah it's like um so that is uh just a bridge too far for me to regularly consider facebook marketplace and it's the same thing with stuff like craigslist ebay is a lot more formalized it's had a lot more time to mature the standards of what to expect is good and it's really good as a baseline market now um if you are willing to pay these prices if you have a good job and uh you're not uh really into bragging about how cheap you got something you just want to have it and collect it and like you know put it on the shelf and slowly you it that way. Yeah. Buy stuff at eBay prices. It's like, there's mm-hmm. no shame in that. A lot of people say, Oh, this seller's charging eBay prices, like at a flea market or something. And it's like, yeah, I get it that like, you know, you don't find the deal. I hate that too. When stuff is individual mm-hmm. price based on eBay, but like, uh, if you have the money to spend and you're not, and you don't want to build up by like huge volume really quick, uh, eBay, can still be a useful tool. Do you have any other kind of future goals on terms of like things you, you think you're you're looking to collect? You know, once upon a time, there was a fresh-faced little high school Keith <laughs> who was just entering this world of collecting. And he said to himself, you know what I want to do? I want to complete NES collection. I want to complete N64 collection. I just want to find them all. It'll take ages, but I'll do that. Um, however, now these days collecting has just whittled me down and I've had to deal with the crap, like, you know, the 50 Hertz PAL conversions mm-hmm. and all that. And, you know, there's been the rising prices and the just sheer inability to get cartridge games where that's actually a goal, which has just gone completely out the window. I am very heavily considering just offloading my entire cartridge collection, which is not very big. Um, mm-hmm. and just putting them all on a retro pie because I have one now. So it's like, why bother? I can have more at 60 hertz. Yeah. In terms of things to collect in the future, well, future gens, you know, a lot of games are reliant on patches. Who knows how mm-hmm. long on console they'll be available. So that makes I'm already me worried about like PlayStation 3. Like Xbox, I'm a, I'm a bit more confident that will be around because, you know, the backwards compatibility stuff. Yeah, and it's more hackable. So, so people, so that stuff is probably going to be out there pretty soon. But already on the original Xbox, uh, one of my favorite games on the original Xbox that I got relatively early in my collecting, I think before I even mm-hmm. had 10 Xbox games, was Crimson Skies. 
Crimson Skies is a brilliant game, especially brilliant multiplayer game. Um, mm-hmm. Almost any time I've given that, even if this person doesn't play games at all, I put the controller in their hand. The controllers are just that intuitive. They get it immediately. Mm-hmm. And it's a flying game, so that's impressive. Already, that game released DLC. You know, there was a couple extra maps, a couple extra planes. Mm-hmm. I can't find that DLC for love nor money online. Yeah. So this game I really like chunk of content can never have same thing with halo 2 they released most of the maps on the map pack like the disc but then they released another pack and you can't get that anymore i mean i'm sure halo 2 you could hack that on relatively easy because it's halo 2 but yeah you know already from even the sixth generation where like content is started losing so in terms of future gens no that's kind of thing with these older consoles is that uh, we we've seen these losses already from these things but they've been minor issues you know like like little pieces of content here and there um you know nobody cared about we wear i mean obviously we wear is very well categorized like if you go down the piracy route but now you've got stuff like um tony hawk pro skater 5 where like you know the only thing you can collect is the tutorial yeah and even yeah. then that's broken because <laughs> the rest is a patch which i can't distribute anymore yeah but i mean like once the playstation network stops supporting ps3 like every game you're gonna if you buy a new game or a used game i guess uh, for the playstation 3 you know you're not gonna be able to patch it you're gonna be running the 1.0 version of game sometimes you know it's not as big of an issue on ps3 um but you know games were patched pretty regularly with the 360 like i'm a, I'm a huge meatloaf fan of as in the singer and i found out that paradise by the dashboard light was dlc on mm. uh, a rock band game or a guitar hero game it was one of the two on ps3 or the 360 one of the two and so i thought oh okay well i'll buy that dlc sure i went and do that online dlc the storefronts completely just not working non-functional gone Mm. and like yeah like with these games that are more built around dlc like you know that's going to be the reality going forward and you know with this generation ps4 xbox one things there there are many games that just straight up won't work without a network connection or you know like the tony hawk 5 situation where it's like here's the tutorial on a disc the rest of the game is not there or the spyro reignited uh, situation yeah it's just the first game right first game is the only one on the disc or the cartridge uh so yeah in terms of future stuff i'm not going to click that now i would like to get more into handheld like uh, mm-hmm. GBA, Game Boy, those are always going to be relatively cheap because they're not as much in the public eye. They've been, they've been rising gotcha. a little bit, but um, even then, mm-hmm. uh, Pokemon has started to go down. And then when Pokemon starts to go down, you know the market's going down. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, so I'm interested in that. However, that said, PSP recently has become so cheap that I have bought so much that like i just don't have anywhere to store all the i don't have a shelf <laughs> big enough to store yeah. all my psp games so uh yeah i because of that i've been playing less handheld because again sport for choice uh, the, the uh, vita though i'm gonna imagine that game that platform is gonna stay expensive Ooh. like they're before the vita is even dead there's a collector's market there vita vita will be very interesting uh, because it was a system that died even before the end of the generation but games were still coming out on it like limited run in that uh, I would love to collect Vita, but I think Vita's going to be the next GameCube. Almost definitely. Yeah. Uh, I don't see those prices coming down. Um, it's going gonna, it's, it's gonna to be stuff like, you know, the high-end GameCube, the high-end Wii, the stuff that's just going to mm. keep its value, and it's never going to drop. Uh, I mean, some stuff will, obviously. Like, yeah. it, there's always going to be exceptions. 
Yeah, that's the main takeaway you should have from all this. There was always exceptions to the rule when it comes mm-hmm. to game collection. But um, yeah, it's gonna stuff like that. So yeah, in ter- I think in terms of collecting, I'm just gonna keep on buying the same kind of stuff that I'm buying. I'm just gonna eventually play through it, whittle away the excess, make videos about the good and the particularly bad stuff. And uh, yeah, it's basically collecting. Now, with my YouTube channel, just quickly, how it ties into collecting, mm-hmm. is I wanted the channel to be mostly about good games that uh, people hadn't heard of. Yeah. And I think I've done, and of course, bad games where the material is there. But, um, because I need to make them funny. But, um, <laughs> well, otherwise people aren't going to watch. But I do, like, I try to make them funny, but I also go into the very technical aspects of the player experience. Yeah. Uh, and I try and combine the two in a way that I hope no one else is really doing. I like to think <laughs> so, uh, to give me a bit of a USP. But um, yeah, uh, a lot of the time is like, I'll put games aside because like, oh, I'm just going to hold on to this video, make a review of it and get rid of it. I'm actually looking at an entire tub worth of games like that. <laughs> so my YouTube channel does drive that collecting. However, even that, like there are so many YouTubers out there these days, a lot of these games uh they've already been covered now mm-hmm. that i started off with like okay i'll put that aside save that britney's dance beat that was one that got covered um metal jesus rocks like i was gonna do a review of uh snowboard plug and play and i mm-hmm. did that's my most recent video um and he, he did it while i was filming <laughs> it's like it was a freaking snowboard plug and play and yeah. even that's been covered to this day the only game that's actually tr- well two games really that have truly fit that bill of games people don't really know about but a good actually no three there's road rage three which was a phoenix game that's actually good mm. there was crash and burn which is a demolition derby game but even then that has its hardcore underground fan clip group and xenocracy on ps1 that's a game which to date i am the only english review of so <laughs> yeah that's the one i achieved and it's so shit the video too because <laughs> it was like the first one i did and this is one thing that like what I do honestly is like, like I recently played through the wizard of Oz beyond the yellow rip road for the, the DS. And um, somebody actually published a video about it about, I think four months after I finished it. As soon as you told me that game existed on discord, um, I looked it up cause I work at a wizard of Oz themed uh, premises. And um, yeah, that game is like 60, 70 bucks over here. So, so what I did is I went and watched uh, that person's video and I, I found, I actually came to a different conclusion from them in terms of the game's mechanics and stuff. I think we generally felt the same about how the game is as a whole, but what I want to say about the game is very different. So, so I try, I don't, I don't just look for, Hey, nobody's covered this game. I also try to make sure that what I'm, if I do add to that conversation, I'm adding something that's valuable. Um, and, and so that's one thing to keep in mind with that. That situation is me and the rest of the world when it comes to Burnout 2. Yeah. <laughs> it seems like everybody in the world can't stop raving about how every single Burnout game that's ever been made is good and brilliant and the pinnacle of racing games. Mm-hmm. But like Burnout 2, as far as I'm concerned, is absolute crap. <laughs> and especially Burnout 1 as well, just a chore to try and play through. Like 3 and onwards, yeah, they're fine. As soon as Criterion took over from Acclaim, brilliant. But like the old ones, like... I really do not like those, but everybody else loves those games. So I think I'm the only negative review on YouTube of Burnout 2. I definitely have a uh, negative review of Breath of the Wild on my YouTube, and I think it has the most dislikes of any video I've put out oh, in the last two that's, years. That's a, that's a very divisive game <laughs> um, in the first place. But then again, Jim Sterling was the poster child for bad reviews of that game. <laughs> uh, 
back in the, the old seven out of ten. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you so much for your time, Keith, and all, and all that knowledge you have d- dumped on us in terms of like buying and selling. Like yeah. like I said earlier, I don't do any of that stuff. So, yeah, so hopefully it wasn't too rambly or anything. Uh, well, there's yeah. a lot to cover. Um, and yeah, and you know, yeah, I could you're gonna have a big editing job ahead of you. <laughs> <That's fine. laughs> um, so, so like I do with every multi tap podcast, I think I finally decided that even though it's a generic name, I'm just gonna call these multi tap podcasts because it fits my website name. I think it's a brilliant name, really brilliant idea because you know, one controller port, you know. So like with that, all these other multi-tap podcasts, uh, basically I just want to give you like five minutes to plug a game that you're you're passionate about um, or or you just don't really get the chance to talk about normally. Well, the game I'm going to talk about, uh, I'm, I'm going to kind of break those rules you just talked about, but it's going to be entertaining. Don't worry. Uh, it's a game called Girl Zone on PS2. Um, I think I know this game. Keep going. <laughs> oh, then the joke is going to be halfway spoiled, but that's okay. All right. So tell me, tell me what you think about this. Game. I'm going to read a bit from the blurb before telling you anything about the game. I'm just going to read the blurb on the back. I don't know if this game did receive a US release. Um, yeah, I think actually I might be wrong that I know it because I'm thinking of a PS1 game, actually. Uh, I think it was just PAL only. Okay. And I'm just going to read the blurb and like, I'm going to stop at various points. You're going to tell me if you think this sounds like a game you'd be interested in trying out or not. And we're going to see if there's maybe a particular point where that uh, opinion shifts. Try me. I I love, (laughs) I love my bad games. I I, I didn't say anything about the game's quality, but let's keep going. Let's go. Okay. Uh, Mia and Julie live in the future where traveling in deep space is the norm. Okay. Every planet has its own unique lifestyle, and the girls looking for adventures can easily find something fun to do. So how's that sound so far? I, th- you know what's interesting? I can't even put my finger on what the genre would be at this point. Like, yeah, but it sounds great. You know, traveling in deep space being the norm? That's crazy. If I had to guess, it's a, a, a point-and-click adventure game in some way. Okay, okay, but like it sounds interesting at this point, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, like and when I was looking at this game, I was reading along. I was like, "Wow, that actually sounds pretty impressive. It was cool." <laughs> like the color, the cover is actually quite color colorful. Those are the screenshots. Mm-hmm. But anyway, keep going. Veggie easy finds something fun to do. Okay, since Mia and Julie are always in an adventure mood, they travel a lot and often get into peculiar situations. So yeah, it sounds like sort of an adventure game. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So you're feeling positive on this? Feeling good. Keep going. <laughs> okay. Here's the next sentence. Girlzone consists of 10 mini games. When you complete all 10 games, you will unlock one bonus game. End of blurb. Still feeling positive on it? <laughs> well, I will say I do enjoy my mini game collections. So <laughs> I, I still would invite, I'm still good. But like, yeah, I've never seen any game like, okay, you're like the one person who's not like done that then, but I've never had a game where like I was going, yeah, this is good. Okay. Traveling deep space, do, 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 10 mini games. When you, un- when you complete 10, you will unlock one bonus game. I will say that's a very direct thing to say on your box. <laughs> it is. And it's, that is the exact quote that yeah. I have there. Now, um, pal uh, collectors will know what I mean when I say this is a Phoenix game. Okay. And if I'd said that beforehand, they would have gone, oh, of course. Phoenix is a notoriously crappy budget publisher in the PAL gotcha. regions. It's, it's ridiculous. But um, yes, yeah, so I haven't actually played this game yet because I want okay. it to be fresh when I write the script to eventually review this. But even if this is like, okay, so it's called Girl Zone, obviously directed at young girls. 
you know, you know, game for girls. I love my uh, games for girls. So there, there are there are some interesting ones in the bunch there. Powerpuff Girls has a couple in there. Yeah. But here's the thing. Now, what really kills this game for me mm-hmm. is this is a mini game collection, right? Uh-huh. For girls, you know, uh-huh. notoriously social young creatures. Yes. One player only. <laughs> Seriously. So it, this is 10 single player mini games from the worst publisher on the entire system. <laughs> it's, it's, it's on a compact disc instead of a DVD, which tells you a lot of oh, what you yeah, need to yeah. know about what kind of quality you're going to have. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah. And the save file is 56 kilobytes. Which is one of the wow, smallest I've ever seen. Tiny. <laughs> that is tiny for PS2. So um, yeah, this is a game I've I've actually got multiple copies of this in my collection because believe it or not, it has cover variants. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it actually has two completely different colors for the Australian market alone. Weird. <laughs> I don't know why. Yeah, of all the games, like because cover variants were not common on the PS2 yeah, yeah. area, um, but like yeah, this one just straight up, and it's completely different. <laughs> The two of them. So Phoenix is the publisher, you said? Phoenix Games, yes. Did they develop it as well, or did they just bring it out? Um, n- no, they may have developed it. Um, okay. But they generally worked with other really, really crap. Like, have you ever heard of the games like uh, Snow White and the Seven Clever Boys or Dalmatians 3 or any of those? Uh, not those in particular, but maybe like Ninja Breadman 2 or something like that. If you're Oh, no, that. we are way below. Ninja Breadman <laughs> is a functioning game. Okay. Like, <laughs> Phoenix doesn't do that very often. <laughs> There's only one game they've, they've ever made which I consider good. Mm-hmm. Or published, which I consider good, and that is Road Rage Three, which is a port of well, not a port, but a uh, translation of the Japanese Togue Three, which is a racing game developed by Cave, which is a very niche but very solid racing game in its own right. That's the only game they've ever put out which is anything nearing decent. Yeah. Everything else they make is just bottom of the barrel trash um if you want to see a lo- some of the games they made you can watch my christmas special from about two years ago where i uh reviewed 12 games of christmas 12 bad games that i just wanted out of my house and out of my <laughs> life so i wanted to get 12 done at once and get them done one thing one thing you mentioned there like a lot of these these publishers will just put out like japanese games and they look awful but like i've i've started buying imagine games from ubisoft uh because a lot of them are japanese made games that are actually you know, if you're into like oh, really? Princess debut and stuff like that, um, that makes sense. Now, I do know that the Imagine games are a real mixed bag. Yeah, like some of them absolute trash, like the Bachelor games. Mm-hmm. Some, but uh, some of them, like the Detective one, uh, I think Tamashi Hikora on YouTube, who's in the same sort of circle as okay. Jaywitz and all that, she did. Some, she has done some brilliant videos on uh, looking at games for girls or games that were marketed towards child girls and she did one on the imagine series and there is a huge spectrum of the quality of some mm-hmm. of those games because they were just had the imagine label slapped on them they're already mostly pre-existing well cool thank you so much for for bringing that game i'll need to look into it and see if it's <laughs> see if it's something or or whenever you do a video on it i'll definitely definitely get that information there well, one of these days one of these days so um like we've mentioned a few times here you're mainly a youtuber what kind of content do you have coming up? What kind of content do you focus on? Well, yeah, my um, channel is Keith Shizuo. Um, it's got that name because I've tried many times to think of a better and easier to spell <laughs> one, and all attempts have been fruitless. Spelt single word, K-E-I-T-H-S-H-I-Z-U-O. 
And of course, I am Australian, so it's Z and not Z. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, if, if if any Americans are confused there. Yeah. Um, but um, yeah. So I'm a, I well, what I like to consider my primary content being is retro game reviews, usually fifth and sixth gen. Uh, of course, they haven't been coming out as often as I'd like recently. The hard work. I've, yeah, I've had a number of uh, medical uh, things and stuff that's kept me from going full on, uh, as well as. Um, my big project from last year was actually a musical review because uh, I do like doing song parodies when I can. I did one on the release of the Switch, called, um, which was a parody of the Disney song Hellfire, which is based on a uh, an, a lifelong Xbox fan being tempted over by the allure <laughs> of the Switch. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I've done a couple others. Uh, but the main one I did last year was a musical review of Resident Evil 4 to the song Bad Out of Hell with a full accompanying music video, which is the first time I've ever tried to do one of those. And editing that thing to get it out by Halloween was so exhausting that I decided not to start any new projects at all for the rest of the year. And I'll say what's really fascinating about that particular video is that you you do have to do a review. Oh, yes. No, that's exactly what I wanted to do. Yeah, because people people have like done songs in the game reviews before, um, like, you know, as little funny like tack on bits. Better the hell is long enough. I really love this song. I want to see if I can put the review in the song. Because the logic was that um, Resident Evil 4 is a game that we know so much about. Um, When I was looking for research for this video, I found a video comparing the text fonts and recreating them that are used in (laughs) games. Like People have picked this game apart. Everything that could have possibly been said about this game had already been said. So I'm like, well, if I ever want to talk about this game, the only way I can do it is to just say it louder. Mm-hmm. So, Bad Out of Hell, the most awesome song ever written, with um, Resident Evil 4, what m- many people argue, the best game ever made. Uh, so yeah, combine those two. So yeah, that was good. I also do uh, more traditional uh, video game reviews. I, I'd kind of describe myself as a, maybe a slightly more technically minded Kadikarus mm-hmm. or Jontron, that sort of thing. Um, I, I've, most of the people I watch are the more funny, explosive types. Yeah. Um, but I do like to go more into the technical nitty-gritty of the player experience um so yeah i've got about 20 of those reviews up um in the middle of season two at the moment my next video uh is going to be on a ps1 gun game called uh mighty hit special okay uh which is not a very good gun game (laughs) yeah and as i said before i do like to try and review mostly good games so it's mostly going to be upbeat not just yelling at crap but you know every so often i will and you also started like combining your game pickups videos with your streams lately, right? That's what you've been. Yes. Um, now, I d- as as we've talked about before, I do do a game pickup series. I try to do it every week. Mm-hmm. Um, the main idea was near the end of 2018, I'd started buying a lot more volume of video games than I did because I had more disposable income and uh, I have just more opportunities to get out and look for them and mm-hmm. more cheap places around. So I decided, okay, might as well document this. Uh, I was keeping track of the total amount spent until about six months into last year. Yeah. Um, th- at that point, I just like, uh, I can't be bothered doing the math anymore because not many people were watching the videos. But recently, yeah, I I just want to stream more. I want to yeah. s- try and see if there are people who watch my channel who are interested in me streaming. So like those videos are a good excuse for me to get on the stream. So I will and you know, I'll talk with whoever's in the chat. If people hang around by the end of them, yeah, I might play some games or do some editing or something. But um, And I would like to do more just games or 
episode editing streams, but yeah. uh, it's a matter of whether or not people are watching because we've only got about what four hundred subscribers, something like that. More than me. <laughs> <laughs> One thing I do want to say about your pickup videos too is that what I think are unique about your videos and why I've kind of praised them quite a bit is um you learn a lot about the value of games um and you know you always discuss you know how much you're buying it for how much you're selling it for even if you don't give exact you you generally say I picked this up because this was identified this as being potentially valuable so if you want to <laughs> I think if you want to learn to get that eye to some extent that watching your pickup videos is valuable for that. Well, that's interesting because I consider me buying a game just to resell to be like the most boring part of the, uh, <laughs> the video. First, it was like, oh, yeah, I bought this game. I'm going to sell it. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. So that's interesting to hear that, you know, you like hearing about the videos. I have to keep that in mind. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Also, a segment that I used to promote a lot more than I did before mm-hmm. um, is because nobody, a couple people ended up taking advantage of, but not really, is that. If you send me pictures of your week's pickup, either via um, Twitter or on my Discord, mm-hmm. uh, and you tell me how much you paid for it, um, I'll put that in the video and I'll critique and say, hey, good job. You <laughs> got some good deals there. So if you are interested on in doing that, like, yeah, join my Discord or follow me on Twitter. And um, you can, uh, yeah, just send me a picture of your pickup, tell me what you paid for it, and I'll feature you. And potentially, if you have one, your channel uh, on uh, my pickup videos. Uh, That's all good. I'll put the relevant links in the description for your YouTube channel, the videos we've talked about, and then also Discord and things like that, too. So, yes, I do have I do have a Patreon as well. Um, I am because I'm very small and people rarely interact with it. (laughs) I really don't post that much updates anymore mm-hmm. if 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 more people were interested and they expressed an interest i would do that more but uh if you would like to throw me like you know if you throw me one dollar then that's more than you'll ever give me in terms of AdSense money yeah, or whatever yeah. that so like yeah if you'd like to support me that way as well you can do that so yes there's my ebay store as well if you want to i always try to post stuff to, like when i sell stuff i make it now here's, here's another selling tip i forgot to mention mm-hmm. i always list stuff at as the lowest price for a comparable condition of that game online mm-hmm. because at the end of the day you don't want stock sitting around in your house in a box yeah. you want that to buy it in out the door it's like burn the hands with two in the bush so yeah i always try and post it as the lowest uh available game in australia so yeah if you want some stuff hit me up at my ebay store that is uh, shizuo 340 Thank you so much, Keith, for your time. Per usual, you just go to onekishoport.com. You can see all the latest updates there. Uh, speaking a little bit about uh, games for girls, if they're interested in that, uh, last month I posted a Tokadol video, which is basically a uh, Japanese arcade game uh, that's all about like dressing these dolls, and it's like an RPG rhythm game. It's, it's this very unique game that I played in Japan. Uh, so that video is up on the website. Podcasts go up uh, every Monday at 9 a.m., uh, Pacific time and then I stream every Thursday at 7pm Pacific time as well. Thanks for having me uh, I hope to be on here again something and I hope all of you listening have a great week bye. Happy hunting <laughs> <laughs>